Good morning, church. Morning. Hey, guess what? It's here. It is December the 31st. Who's ready for the new year? All right. Three of you, four of you. Okay, cool. Online, I hope you're ready for the new year. This is the last day of the year. Maybe some of you have been just waiting for the new year. We're in a series right now called Emmanuel with us. And what we've covered so far is Christ being with us in our failures, our anxiety, our loss. And last week we talked about in celebration. And we talked about the birth of Jesus. This week we're closing this series with Emmanuel, God with us in new beginnings. And when we talk about new beginnings, some people like to make things at this time of year called resolutions. Who's my resolution people in here? Anybody? Hey, so this is great. First service was the same, and guess what? You guys are not the American average, I guess, because 64% of Americans make New Year's resolutions. Maybe you guys haven't thought about them yet, and you're going to all make them tonight. Maybe. But here are the four most common resolutions that people make. Go ahead and put them on the screen for me. All right. Yeah, that's not more money. That, that's, uh, we want to be better with our money. We want to spend more time with family. Uh, get me out of the job I'm in now. And I would like to lose some weight. I don't think I've ever made that last one myself, but that's all right. Um, so 91% of all resolutions made tonight will meet something called failure. Now, out of those 91% that meet failure, you want to take a guess at what month of the year 80% of them are failed by. Actually, February, all right? So, a bunch of cynics in here. I like it, all right? No, February. You know, probably because, you know, February brings us that other holiday called Valentine's. The candy's already ruined one diet. We've spent money on things we probably shouldn't have. So, oh, that's gone too. So, all those resolutions gone. And the reason we make resolutions, in my opinion, is this. This all comes from our desire to want a new beginning. Now, as you're in here this morning or joining us online, I don't know what this year's looked like for you. I don't know what losses you faced. I don't know what grief you maybe had to walk through. I don't know if you sent your first child to college this year and that was hard on you. I don't know if there's been marital issues this year. I don't know if you're in a job where you just can't stand it. I don't know what you've gone through. But what I do know is this. I fully believe that new beginnings start with open eyes. And that's what we're talking about this morning. New beginnings start with open eyes. And we're going to look at an example from someone that had their eyes opened to see. Kind of an obscure character we're going to talk about this morning. His first century job, we would call it as a correctional officer, so that's what his job kind of is in the first century. But before we get to him, we got to see what's going on. So Acts chapter 16, you can turn your Bible there if you have one. If not, it'll be on the screen. So here's what's happening. This is Paul and Silas traveling. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned to her and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. 
So they grab Paul and Silas, drag them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us as Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Okay, so there's a little bit of there we need to talk about. First off being this, so they're in the city of Philippi, which is in current day, modern day, northeastern Greece, all right? So this is where they've traveled to, and it's a Roman colony. And the thing about a Roman colony in the first century is you can, believe, you can be a Jew, that's fine, that's, that's not against the law, but you can't proselyte, you can't spread your God, your faith to Romans and try to convert them to what you believe. And so you might be reading this text going, well, Chase, why did they get upset with the slave girl? There's like, she's actually out there like heralding for them. But when you really look in the text, it says she's telling them a way to be saved, not the only way to be saved. And that's why Paul gets so angry and casts the demon out of her and she loses her special powers and then her masters are completely upset. And they throw Paul and Silas into prison. During those beatings... Paul doesn't get to tell them that, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. And what that means at this time is this. If you're a Roman citizen, you have the right to travel the entire empire in the first century, and no one can cause you physical harm without having what we call today due process. You don't get hassled by anyone without that happening. So Paul and Silas are thrown into the innermost part of the prison. Now, I want to get us truly there in the scene. This is the first century. Um, guys, prisons don't have running water because houses don't have running water. Um, they're in this middle of this room, probably a concrete stone pillar in the middle. They're shackled to it, and they're probably laying on really gross things on the ground. That ground's probably bare dirt, or it could be limestone or some kind of stone, and they're shackled there, can't really move much but a couple inches, and that's where they're at. Maybe that's what you feel like this morning. Maybe this year has been that rough that you just feel like you're shackled to something. And this is where Paul encounters this Philippian jailer. Now, I want to put a pin in this story for a second because I want to talk about how Paul got here. Um, I'm a huge Marvel fan. Anybody else? Huge Marvel fan? Anybody? A couple people? So we need to talk about Paul's origin story, okay? So you need to go back. I don't have some cool video clip to show you because he didn't make one back then. But I will tell you, here's the version from Acts chapter 9. So what we know is this. Paul used to be called by a different name. He used to be called Saul. And when he was called Saul, he was a member of Jewish leadership known for killing or being responsible for killing followers of Jesus. In fact, we know for certain in Acts chapter 7, he was there when Stephen was killed because he was holding the coats of the people killing him. But then he had an encounter with Jesus on the road. Great light, got blinded, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then he finds Jesus, and at the end of that story, Jesus tells him, hey, go into the city, and I have someone for you. And that's where we pick this up. So verse 17 of Acts 9, so Ananias went and found Saul. He laid hands on him and said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight. 
and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell off Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. All this happens because he encounters Jesus. Clear eyes. Open eyes. In fact, we really hear the promise from John in the gospel, or in the letter of 1 John, when he says this about Jesus. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent us his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So this is what Paul encounters on the road. And he realizes here that we are blessed. He is blessed because the Father has done this for us. His eyes are open. It is the love of the Father that gives us Emmanuel who opens our eyes. So that's Paul's origin story. So let's go back to Dungeon Paul. All right? Dungeon Paul. What Paul might not know in this moment in the dungeon is what's going to happen. It's going to change some families' lives. It's going to change lives of people in that countryside, in that city. And here's what happens. Acts 16, verse 25. Around midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We are all here! The jailer called for lights and ran into the dungeon and fell to the ground trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he, br- then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. We're going to camp out here for a second because let's talk about this. So, reminder, Paul and Silas were just beaten, brutally beaten with wooden rods, thrown in this innermost cell in this prison, laying on God knows what, and it's midnight. So what do they choose to do? Well, let's praise God. Let me ask a question. Was this year that rough for you, and what's what's our first inclination? Is our first thinking, oh, let's praise Jesus for how rough this year's been? I don't think it is. I think the first thing that we do, especially in our culture today, is, well, let's be real, we are incessant whiners. We're in, we're just, we just complain. Let's see who we got. Let's see if we got some honesty in here. Who would say, you know what? Yeah, I can be a complainer. Anybody? Yeah, it's Christmas week. It probably happened. And so, hey, I didn't get what I wanted. Complaints. My kids are awful. Complaints. We got to go to that uncle's house. Help us, God, complaining. Not to guilt trip any of us, including myself, but how many of us this week really thought out and said, man, thank God for this. I praise God for this. I praise God that I got that weird family member. We are so fixated on the negative that every time we look at something, we go to the negative first. 
You, and, and here's the thing. We might have dealt with some hard things this year. Maybe you lost a job this year. And maybe that's the first thing you go to. But let me ask you this. Are you still sitting next to the person that is the love of your life? There's a blessing. Do you still have your kids at home? There's a blessing. And so Paul and Silas, instead of complaining about their situation, which they had every right to do, sings praises and hymns to God. And I love that Luke adds this, and the other prisoners were listening. Can you imagine the thought in their mind, what is wrong with these two people? What is going on with them? Why are they so happy? And then suddenly a massive earthquake happens, shakes the prison to its foundations, and here's how you know this earthquake is from God. The shackles fell off the prisoners. We've had earthquakes here before. I don't think handcuffs just fall off of people. And then the jailer woke up. The prison doors are wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. I would say that's a really safe assumption. If you had woken up and you're in charge of the prison and the doors are all open, I don't think the first thought is, I bet they all stayed here. (laughs) And so what does he do? He knows that as a Roman, he's responsible for their lives. And in the first century, if he would have lost a prisoner, the rule was this. He now faces whatever punishment that person was to face. So what does he do? No. Draws his sword and goes to kill himself. But Paul shouts to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. And then verse 29, the jailer called for lights and ran into the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? When we encounter Jesus, man, things happen. Changes lives, changes the world. Paul encountered him directly on the road to Damascus. And now this jailer is encountering Jesus through followers of Jesus. And his eyes were opened. Because you see what he called for? He called for lights. He couldn't believe it. Let me see this. And then when he saw it, it's got to be the real deal. My question for us this morning is this. Are we allowing Christ to open our eyes, church? Are we allowing Christ to open our eyes? No matter what you're going through this year and what you've gone through. Maybe you're just tired of being sick and tired and ready for this new year. I get it. I've been there. Several years ago, uh, I was in, uh, Megan and I were in our first year of marriage, and it wasn't the best year. And at one point, I'm like, we need something new. And you may be like, well, geez, Chase, first year of marriage? Well, Remember, first year is not always the best for everyone, okay? But at that point, mostly my fault, in the first year of marriage, I had accepted to be a lead pastor. We bought a house, and we got married within three months of each other. You know, me being all of the ripe, uh, wise age of 27, being a lead pastor, that sounded like a good idea. And I was, at, I was gone all the time. I was at church constantly, making sure things went well, believing it was me that did most of it, and taking on that pressure. And at some point, we came to a conclusion. This is not sustainable. Something's got to give. I needed a new beginning. And we prayed for God's leading. 
We prayed and asked God, what is there for us? And we listened. And after two and a half years of trying to make that work and trying to listen through God, God said, hey, it's time to go. This is not sustainable for you. And we did. Now, I could have listened to my pride, and I could have stayed in that situation, and I would have failed. Just like all of our resolutions we make fail. And probably our resolutions fail because we fail at new beginnings because we are seeking the wrong thing. Had I stayed in that situation, I would have been seeking my own arrogance, my own pride, my own worth. Instead of seeking what God wanted for me. The same thing could have happened in the story we just talked about. You know how the story could have been different? Had Paul and Silas decided, hey, we're in this prison, and instead of praising God, oh, you believe this? We're in here, and actually, they weren't supposed to be. It was not even fair. It was wrong. Nothing on them. They had every right to be in there and be like, this is horrible. This is awful. Can't believe these people. And complained incessantly. Or maybe if the Philippian jailer didn't take his job seriously. Woke up, doors are open, all right, I'm out. <laughs> didn't take the opportunity to see what was going on. That day and day's future, lives were changed because Paul and Silas took their call seriously as a believer. I like how Mark Batterson writes in his book, uh, All In, he says this, You cannot go to church because you are the church. Church is not a building with a specific address or time. If you are the church, then it's happening whenever and wherever you are. If you're in this room this morning or joining us online and you say, yes, I'm a believer of Jesus, this is for you. How are you doing at being the church wherever and whenever you go? In my opinion, there's no better week to talk about that than this week. Because, let's be real, the holiday season doesn't really bring out the best in people all the time. I will tell you, I will openly admit, I had prepared this sermon two weeks ago, clear in my head. I was not that person on the road this whole week. Let's be real. We had to drive eight and a half hours. Jesus follower might not have been my number one title that described me as I was driving. Okay? Just saying. If you're in the left lane, you're supposed to go faster. All right. But I digress. I digress. All right. But church, how are we doing that? When we go to our workplace, are we just complaining? Are we singing praises to God? When we go to school, are we just complaining about the workload? Or are we singing praises to God that we have the ability to do that? Paul and Silas got that. And because they got that, the jailer gets his new beginning. And not only does he get his new beginning, but he gets a promise. The promise that we have, it comes, you know, Paul writes it best, in my opinion, in 2 Corinthians to the church of Corinth when he says this, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought ba us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Leave that on the screen for a second if you don't mind. 
when we look at that text, the first thing is this. For anyone who belongs to Jesus is a new person. Whatever you've gone through, the baggage that you have, it's gone. The grief, the trauma, yes, we still deal with it, but we have Christ to help us deal with it. And then once we have that, we now recognize the gift from God, and our job is to help bring people to him. That's the steps. That's the pattern. So, no matter what this year has had for you, no matter what's gone on in 2023, as tomorrow we move into the next year, 2024, what do you see? What do you see? I'll put it this way. Most of you in here know that I'm a huge sports fan. Okay? Huge sports fan. Go pack. All right? <clears throat> yeah, booze. All right, come on. All right. <laughs> One of my favorite TV shows is Friday Night Lights. Anybody in here Friday Night Lights fan? Anybody? All right, cool. All right. Uh, Coach Taylor has an awesome quote in there, and that quote is this. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. I looked for that in the Bible, and I couldn't find it. It would have been really cool if it was. But it's so true. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Look at Paul. Look at the jailer. They encounter Jesus. Their eyes are opened. They accept that. Paul commits his life to service and wanting to serve God with a full heart because he's been rescued. And guess what? Now he can't lose. Can't lose. New beginnings start with open eyes. The jailer got this. Let's talk about that jailer for a second. We, we end his story in Acts chapter 16, uh, starting in verse 33, it says this, Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he said to his entire household, Rejoice because they all believed in God. But his story actually goes beyond this. Because what we do know about the church in Philippi is one of the main people that was involved in that church is Lydia, who Paul just baptized this chapter before. And we're pretty certain that this Philippian jailer's family is part of this church. You might not know this, but this church in Philippi is the first church for Jesus in Europe at the time. All because Paul and Silas took it seriously, praised Jesus, and had open eyes. A community got a new beginning. A person got a new beginning. Families got new beginnings. The beginning that counted. So what is the new beginning that you need this year? Let me start with this. If you're in the room this morning and you've never accepted Christ, I can't, I cannot tell you enough how amazing it is to accept Jesus. Words are not going to be able to describe it for you. I can only say, say it this way. It is the greatest decision you will ever make in your life. Nothing comes close. Even marrying the love of your life, that's still going to be second, all right? Nothing's going to come close to it. 
Because you realize that you have someone, you have a God that cares so much about you, that wants to be intimately involved in your life, that wants to help you walk through seasons of grief, depression, anxiety. No matter what you go through, you have Emmanuel, God with us. Maybe that's what you need this morning. If that's you, we're going to have staff over there on the side there and some volunteers. Go see one of them on that side of the room. The next thing for you is this. If you don't know it, at Great Oaks, every couple months, we have what we call Baptism Sundays. Yeah, I know. That's today. I love it. I'm excited for Baptism Sunday, and we get to talk about unimaginable transformation in those individual lives. But we're throwing a little curveball this morning. If you've walked into the room this morning and you've accepted Jesus or you're making that decision this morning and you want to go ahead and be baptized, if you've been around Great Oaks long enough, you're like, yeah, we make videos to that. We're doing open call today. Open call. You can make that decision right now and we will do it today. You're going to talk to one of our staff members or volunteers over on that side and you might be like, whoa, I don't know enough about baptism. Well, let me explain a little bit what baptism is. Baptism is you just symbolizing that I've made a decision to accept Christ and I want to walk new with him. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's saying, hey, yes, I am new with Jesus. Now let me be a testimony and show it. That testimony comes from Colossians. I want to be buried with Christ in death and rise and walk new. Just symbolizing. The water is a symbol of what decision you've made. You might be like, hey, I'm in. But I, Chase, I'm, what, I'm just having my clothes. Don't worry, we got clothes. We got so much clothes. They might not be stylish, but we got clothes. Maybe you're here by yourself and you're like, Chase, I got my new iPhone for Christmas. I don't want to leave that hanging around. Don't worry, we got people to watch that stuff. No one's going to touch it. So if you need to make that decision this morning, go see one of our people on the sidewall over there. Maybe for this next year, you just need prayer. It's been a rough year. You've taken a couple shots this year and it's just been hard on you. Go see some prayer workers over on this side of the room. They want to pray with you and just encourage you this morning. Lastly, maybe you're in here like, man, done all that. I had a good year, Chase. Believer, I followed up with baptism. I'm good. Okay. Maybe you need to have a little bit more Paul in you and you want to serve. Here at Great Oaks, we fully believe in five to one. What does that mean? We value the next generation, wherever you see them in this room. We believe that they need five healthy adults in their life. Maybe that's what you need to do this morning. Talk to one of us. Say, hey, I want to be serving more. Maybe that's the new beginning that you need this morning. Here's my heart as a pastor. Is that this year, as we all look out at what we should do this year, can we try to do this one thing together? Let's try to make this next year the most impactful year spiritually that we've had in our own lives. And what does that look like for you? Maybe it's less complaining. Maybe it's journaling. Maybe it's devotions. Maybe it's prayer. Whatever that is, set that as your goal. Because let me tell you something, church. As I did our study for statistics from Forbes about what resolutions are made, Improving prayer life and being better, closer to Jesus is not in the top 10 resolutions. And I promise you, if that's one of them, man, you're going to have a different year. And it's going to be for the better, I promise you.